Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey. And the wisdom of God transcends, it lifts you over. Where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. Love is a manifestation of strength. The Holy Spirit produces nothing but strength in us. I want to show you. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. When I was little, um, I, was, I was really small frame. I was real skinny. And um, I was... Uh, <laughs> On the playground, I, was, I would always be bullied. How many of you have ever been bullied? And I got to the place where, where I, would, I had this thing that would happen. After I was bullied for a certain time, I would lash out with a rage that scared my siblings and my friends. Literally, it would jump on guys twice my size and beat them down to the place where they had to pull my little tail off of them. And that happened when I was little. Now, when I got saved, when I met Jesus, I got saved in a military barracks room, and I came to the Lord. The Lord delivered me from a lot of things, several types of drugs and different things that I was involved in. But one thing that, that has been slow in the development is this issue I have with bullies. If you follow me on social media, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You see sometimes a person will come at me, and out of nowhere, you say, oh my gosh, we just pray for pastor because I will go in on them. If you've seen that, I apologize. But, but it's just, I have this thing with people who think they could bully other people. So, so the Spirit of God is working that out in me. It's, it's a progressive work. I was talking to the Lord uh, yesterday. Actually, it was yes, um, Saturday morning. Yes, yesterday, I was talking to the Lord. And I was speaking to the Lord about something that we're doing with the Atlanta church. You know, we, we're meeting in, in the hotel conference room. I'm ready to get out of there. We're looking at different buildings. And you know, one thing will come up and then it'll fall through. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord... What do you do with this? And normally I wait for maybe minutes and sometimes hours and sometimes days and a response will come. But here's what the Lord said. He said one word. He said, continue. He said one word. What's the word? Say it again. Continue. And when he said that word to me, I thought to myself, now, when God speaks to you, God speaks to you. He, he literally will give you a word. There are times he will speak a whole sentence. Very rarely will God speak a paragraph. God ain't saying all the stuff that folks say he's saying. You got it? So, so what you have to understand is, is sometimes God will speak a word, and he won't talk again for two and a half years after the drought is over. So he, he normally speaks with a word, then he will develop it. He will give you a word, and he expects you to go and, and find it in the Scripture and see what it is about. So he says to me, continue. Now, I, did, I, I didn't leave my bully story. I'm coming back to it. He says, he says, he says to me, continue. And so I got in the word, and I, I came to the most um, uh, visible and prominent Scripture that I know with the word continue in it. It's in the book of John chapter 8. John chapter 8 and verse 30. That's where it begins. But I'm going to show you something because I think you need to know this. Put it up there, and we're going to jump all over the place. Be ready to follow me in the video booth because I'm going to do some crazy stuff in a minute. Then many who heard him say these things, they did what? They believed. Now, remember last week we said there's a difference between knowing and believing. Because now I can know something. I can have the information, but I don't believe it. The word, be- the word to know means to have the information to, to be, to be, um, to be, 
taught the thing, but to believe it means that I, I trust the reliability of it to the point where I'm willing to stake my life on it. You got it? Trust, uh, knowing something means that I have the information. I have a, a notebook full of it or I have a head full of it. But, but, but believing means I trust it. I, I, I'm going to put myself out there. Other people may go and do what they're doing, but I trust this. This is what God said. I trust. Believing is different from knowing. The Bible says, then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Look at verse 31. It says, uh, Jesus said to the people who believed. He only spoke to the ones who believed. He, then he spoke to the people who believed in him. He says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. The word remain is an interesting word. It is the word meno in the, in the Greek, and it doesn't say remain. It's more, give me King James, it's more the word continue. Then said Jesus to those who, Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. In other words, then I have a chance to teach you things you don't know. He said, here's what's going to happen in the process. Go to verse 32. He says, and you will know the truth. And this word know is, is the word you're going to have an experience with the truth. You, you're going to, you, not just, not, not just I'm, I'm having information. I'm having an experience with the truth. I'm going to enter into this tug of war with the truth. And the end game is going to be the truth is going to free me. So I've been wrestling with this thing where I, I, I'm, and I'm, I, will go, I will blow up on a bully in a minute. So God has to show me now. He's have to, he has to teach me. He has to put me in situations where I can encounter truth. But the only, this is what we need to understand. Every t- believing is so important to God that he will bring you to, he assemble you in church. He will give you the word. Then he will release you to a situation to make sure the word you heard is squeezed to put you to the test. Because I'm going to say something to you about the squeezing. That squeezing process makes things happen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you something that's going to help you today. I want to talk to you. But before I do that, I want to go back up because um, when you go back to verse 30, it's interesting. Verse 30, the Bible says, as he spake these words, many believed. Well, where was he? What was he speaking? So give me New Living Translation. Go back up to verse 1. I want to show you what's going on. You, what, he's, what he's dealing with is going to blow your mind. Go back up to verse 1. So in verse 1 of John chapter 8, the Bible says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Now, let me tell you about the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives had a place up there called Gethsemane. In the Greek, the word Gethsemane means olive oil press, or the place where you press the oil out of olives. Why did Jesus, now the Holy Spirit doesn't just do things arbitrarily. So why did God choose for Jesus' prayer place to be called the Mount of Olives? Olives grew there. There were many olive trees there. And we would read things in Scripture. We would read the Mount of Olives, a field of wheat, and don't realize that whenever God speaks in specifics, he's given us a coded message. There's something about the olives we need to know, but I'm, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Go to verse 2. In verse 2, the Bible says, But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and talked to them. So in a, he's in a setting kind of like this, but it's, it's an open court. And I want you to imagine it, get the picture. In verse 3, it says, As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd. 
Now, imagine, we in church, I'm a preaching, and they bring a woman, and you have to understand, she wasn't fully dressed because she was caught in the act, and I don't think they gave her, if they were indecent enough to break up the church service, to bring her in church, caught in the very act, I don't think they were decent enough to let her get dressed. So they threw probably a sheet or something around her and brought her in the church. If, imagine we're preaching and I have to stop to address this. The Bible says, they said, teacher, this woman was called in the act of adultery. Verse, verse 5. Give me King James because I want to read I want that poetry. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Keep rolling. They said, tempt, they said this tempting him that he might have that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he had heard them not. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Next verse. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. They left her standing there in church, in front of the preacher and the congregation. What's going through your mind when this is happening? You're in church and this happens. What are you thinking? Oh, God, we can't look with shame. Oh, my God. You want to see what? The nosy folk are like, this is good. They're tweeting and texting. They're updating their Facebook status. Some of them are making, uh, fa- they're going Facebook Live all the way. They're like, look. they Facebook Live. Some of the people periscoping. But the Bible says in verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And he said unto her, read those words out loud. Neither, if anyone is qualified for condemnation, it's the person who was caught in the act, brought to church half-naked, and is standing before the congregation and the preacher. Here's what he said. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Was it a directive? No, it was an empowerment. He empowered her with no condemnation to go and sin. Now, I want to show you something, but that's not what I want you to see. Go to verse 12. The Bible says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Wait a minute. Wait, hold up. How do you go on preaching after that? What is is service like after that? You could talk back to me. You could be unruly for a minute. What what happens when we're preaching in the service, and I'm I'm breaking off some deep revelation to you, and the Pharisees bring in a lady that's half naked. She got no clothes on, but a sheet wrapped around her, caught in the very act. She ain't saying she didn't do did it. She didn't do it. She's guilty. She's crying. And then, then, <laughs> then the people that left her, uh, that brought her, left her here. They walk out, and then we tell her, "Ah, we don't condemn you." Go, and she don't sit down. She walks right out. What do we say? What does kind of service happens after that? In my mind, I go receive the benediction. <laughs> what do you say? What's the praise and worship song? What does the choir sing? What do we do? LP, what, I mean, what's the invitation? But he starts, I am the light of the world. Now, now, let me tell you why this is critical. Because the scripture I read in John chapter 8, verses 30 to 32, this is the context. He starts to talk to them about himself. He drew the attention from this weird scene that the enemy tried to set up, and he drew it back to himself. And he says to them, I am the light of the world. Look here. 
And he starts to, and the whole time he goes, I go down to verse 28. I want to show you something. And he gets to verse 28, and the, the, uh, verse 28, verse 28. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing of my own, but say only what the father has taught me. Verse 29. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me. If I always do what pleases him. And then he goes on. That's what they believed. They believed him preaching about himself. Preaching about out loud, preaching about. Now, this is critical because now I'm about to show you something. The Mount of Olive. I taught you some things in, 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 the, uh, in, the, in this series of lessons I'm doing about the tabernacle. When, when God called Moses up to the mountain, the Bible says that God gave him two tablets of stone. We call them uh, the Ten Commandments, but, but theologians call them the Decalogue. And what we know about the Decalogue is that the, there were 613 commandments given to Moses. 613 he documented. They were, they were condensed into the 10 categories. These are 10 categories of sin, uh, that, that's, or 10 categories of commandments on these tables of stone. There were 365 do's and 248 don'ts. That comes to a total of 613. And we all know about the law because the law became the government of Israel. What we talk a little about, or very little about, is the tabernacle. The tabernacle, now this is important. You say, Pastor, I'm trying to keep up with you. Just stay with me. The tabernacle is the means of approach because when Adam sinned, the Bible says that God put him out of the garden, and then the, the Godhead had a conversation with themselves. Here's what they said. They said, lest he put forth his hand and eat from the tree of life, we got to put him out. Then they put an angel to stand and watch, uh, stand guard by the tree of life so that Adam in his fallen state can't eat the tree, from the tree of life and remain in that state forever. How many, of you, how many of you see the mercy of God in this? God says he cannot eat from the tree of life until we fix him. Then we'll, give, then we'll allow him. In the book of Revelation said that we will all eat from the tree of life. Okay, now let me show you why this is important. Because you are going through in your life right now a necessary process that brings you into situations where you don't act the way you think you should act. Here's what I notice about my problem with bullies. You can't tell it until I'm squeezed. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Hart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word Uplift to the number 46786. And daily you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. We got something to say. Listen. Did you know that there is power in your words? Yeah. Cement that with the brand new remixes to the single It Is So from Heart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Pick up the remixes to It Is So from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Available now at all digital outlets. Let's go! Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Here's what I noticed about my 
problem with bullies. You can't tell it until I'm squeezed. People say, Pastor Ray, he's the nicest guy. People say, people say, he's so merciful. One guy told me, he said, you are so soft. I laughed to myself. You ain't seen the other side, the other guy. But I, what I noticed about it is he doesn't come out until I get overwhelmed. Until I'm being pressed by a bully and cornered, then all of a sudden that thing comes out. So what God does systematically is put more word in me and make sure he puts me in those, ex- in those situations to experience. Because he, what he's looking for is the time when I'm pressed and the only thing that comes out is love. Let me show you something. So, so I'm going I'm to I'm help you with this. When you're going through your process, when you're going through your process, the Lord is concerned about your witness. You're the light of the world. Okay? He's concerned about your witness. But the truth of the matter is, your witness or your light is not dependent on you. Jesus wants to be everything to you. And this is what I want to do. So, so indulge me again. I want to do this lesson again because I want to show you something that's going to help you. The tabernacle. How many of you were here when I taught the tabernacle the last time? Oh, this is going to be an easy class. How many of you were not here? Put your hand up. Okay, it's okay. You're going to learn something today. So what God did, God gave, you couldn't just get to God because man was separated from God. So God gave Moses a layout called the tabernacle. The tabernacle was three rooms. One was an outer court. It had no roof. Then there was, one, then there was a room, which was called the holy place. It was called the what? And then in, after that room was another room that was called the holy of holies. It was called what? So this is the holy of holies, and this is the... Holy place, and this is called the outer court. Okay, so work with me real quickly. I got like a minute to do it. So this is called the outer court. This is called the holy place, and this is called the... And going backwards, this is the holy of holies. This is called the holy place, and this is called the... Okay, now, when you first come to the tabernacle, you have to come through a gate. So let's talk about the doors for a minute. There's a gate here. And then when you, you walk in a straight line, you come to the holy, the holy place. To get in, you have to go through the door. And then when you go through the door and you get, to, get ready to go into the Holy of Holies, you go through the veil. You better be writing this down. So you come to the tabernacle, right? You come to the tabernacle, you come through the, the, the come on, the, the what? The gate, and then to go to the holy place, you go through the, the door, and to go, to, go, to go into the Holy of Holies, you go through the, the veil. Now, this is critical, because what you need to understand is this. Everything in the Old Testament is trying to point us to Jesus. Because you, I don't think what, what we have done to you for years is we have preached all kinds of things. When you needed to succeed, we preached the success to you. When, when, you, when you needed encouragement, we preached encouragement to you. We, we, every topic that you needed, we went topically and taught you the topic. But what we did wrong was this. You don't need the topics. What you needed us to do was to preach Jesus to you. Because God wants Jesus to be everything. Because here's the reality. If, he is, if he's not everything... He tends to be nothing. You got it? And so right now you're trying to figure out how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that and how you're going to get through this. And who's, I mean, how are we going to work this out? The doctor said this and the bank says and, and you don't realize that Jesus is your answer. And I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to, I'm going to show you some stuff today. It's not conventional, but I want you to see this. So you come through. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I'm the gate that the sheep come through. He said, I am the door. 
And the Bible says his body is the veil. You notice that? What this is amazing. The access to God comes through the gate who's Christ, the door who's Christ, and the veil who's Christ. Let me tell you about the veil. The veil was four inches thick. This ceiling, look up, this ceiling right here is about 40 to 50 at the highest point. The veil was 60 feet high. 60 feet high, four inches thick, and when Jesus is dying on the cross, when he gives up the ghost, the Bible says it was rent in twain, torn in two from the top. to the, Who did it? God did it. And the scripture says this signifying that the way into the Holy of Holies was now open to everyone. What does it mean? God is inviting us in. Now, let me show you this. I want you to follow me. You said, where are you going? This is important. It's a critical part of the lesson. Now, start writing again. When you come through the gate, there's furniture in there, and every piece of furniture is about Jesus. When you first come in, everything in the outer court is bronze. There's a bronze called the brazen altar. Call the what? Then when, after you, you sacrifice animals here, so there's blood. But you go here, there's a little sink. It's called the brazen laver. It's called the brazen laver. A laver is like a wash bowl. So you have, you have the brazen altar, the brazen laver. Then you go through the door. When you go through the door, what room are you in? Come on, class, what room? Holy place. To your right is a table with what's called showbread. There's 12 pieces of bread stacked in two stacks of six. But to your left, there's a candelabra or a menorah, okay? That's, that's always, and that's important. That's the light for the holy place is this menorah. It's a candlestick. It's a candlestick. Right in front of that, before, right in front of the veil, there's a, a golden altar of incense. So now let me tell you, when you, come, when you come through the door, you say, why are you teaching us this? Stay with me, I promise you. To the right is a table of showbread. To the left is a golden lampstand, menorah. In front of you is an, is an altar of incense, then you go through the, out loud, the what? In the veil is total stillness. It's the holy of holies. There's a box in there called the Ark of the Covenant. And I want to tell you what's in the box. God specifically told Moses, he said, I want you to put the Ten Commandments that were broken in there. He said, also... Put a bowl of the manna that I fed you with in the wilderness in there. He said, then I want you to put Aaron's rod that budded when you want to know who was going to be the leader. And I made Aaron's rod supernaturally bud. Put that in there. So in there, watch this now. It's, it's, the, it's the, tablets of, the tablets of stone that represents man's rejection of God's laws. It's the bowl of manna that represents God's re, a man's rejection of God's provision. And in there's a rod of Aaron that represents God, man's rejection, rather, of God's authority. Every offense we've ever done to God, God said, put it in the box. Then on the top of it, he said, make this, this uh, acacia wood covered with gold. And he said, you're going to put a purely beaten piece of, of uh, gold on the top. And you're going to make a thing called the mercy seat. Everybody say the mercy seat. The mercy seat is what's representative of what God sits in heaven. And he, and he had him to make two angels or cherubim whose wings touch. And he set all that we've done wrong. The broken law, the rejected provision, the, the rejected authority. And he put the mercy seat on top of it. And once a year, the high priest would come in. Everybody said the high priest. 
these characters are coming up again, I promise you. That's why I'm giving you all this information. The high priest will come in once a year, and he will go in with the blood of a sacrificed animal. He'll sprinkle it on the mercy seat, and God will forgive Israel for a year. What in the world are you doing, Pastor, on a Sunday morning teaching us this deep stuff? It's not deep. I'm about to show you something about your life. See, because right now, God has you in a situation that you cannot understand. You've been asking God, what am I supposed to do? And he says to you, continue. He wants you to keep going. You thought he wanted you to bail because bailing is easier. But I'm going to do this for a couple weeks. And this this has to do with the walk of the believer. I'm going to show you. have been through some things that people can't imagine because you're not telling the whole story. They can handle the easy part, not the hard part you got to deal with. And you're saying, God, what do you want me to do? Well, I don't know what to do. Shall I? God says, continue. What does he say? Continue. Now I want to show you a picture of the olive. Because we talk about things in Scripture all the time, the Mount of Olives. And you see me. How many of you see the ritual that I do when I come in every Sunday? Let me see how many of you pay attention. When I come in, what do I do? Anybody see what I do? Tell me. I get the oil. What do I do, with, what do, I do after that? How many, how many of you think I'm praying? No. Let me tell you what I do. The oil that we use is, it comes from, from Jerusalem. It is, it is made of, of, of a thing called the art of the apothecary, where God gave him different spices. And the different spices were blended together, the bitter and the, the sweet, to give a unique aroma. God said, don't add anything to it because nothing smells like this. And in, in some of the stuff, if you tasted it, it's so bitter. And, and some of the stuff is sweet, but when you put it together, this unique blend comes out. So what he does, what my assistants would do, is I come in, they'll, put, they'll soak the, the thing with oil, they'll pull it out. I, I, pull it out for me. I wrap my hand around it, and I do this. I'm warming it up because it releases a smell. And I put it to my nose, and it reminds me. It reminds me that I'm not here because I'm bitter. I'm not standing up here. No, listen, 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 listen. I'm not standing up here because I'm more educated. Is that there's a combination of things that have to go into play for God to release me. And, I, and, and the musicians know that they don't, in, they don't stop the worship service till I get done with this. Your sense of smell is your strongest smell. You can smell a paper mill in Georgia sitting here, but you can't see it. You can't even hear it, but it's loud, but you can smell it. Do you know why? Because of the wind. So what is this oil? And why, why do you do that? We come to church, and we, sometimes we, we were talking last week about how you come to the altar, and we lay hands on you, remember? And we push you down, <laughs> and, and deliverance happens on the floor or not. But what, what, why do we do that? So I want to take you through the scriptures really quickly, and this is going to help you understand and all of that I've said is going to be pulled together to help you see something. In the book of Leviticus chapter 24, verse 1, Moses is getting instruction from God. The Lord said to Moses, look at verse 2. Verse 2. Command the people of Israel. Here's what he said. Bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. Now, what lamp? Well, 
come through the gate, <clears throat> the altar, the laver, the door, the table, the lamp. The light that's in the holy place could never go out. But it needs oil to keep burning. So who's responsible to bring the oil? Go back to verse 2. You're going to help me out. I need you to talk out loud. Read this with me out loud. Ready? Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning. How long? How long? So the lamp has to burn continually regardless of what's happening in their lives. That lamp got to stay lit. Go to verse 3. This is the lampstand that stands in the tabernacle through the gate, past the altar, past the laven, in the door, table, lamp. This is the lamp. The lampstand that stands in the tabernacle in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. It says, Aaron, who is the high priest? Who's Aaron? So it says, the high priest must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. Look at verse 4. Aaron and the priests must tend the lamps on the pure gold lampstand. How long? In the Lord's presence. Now, we hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Pastor Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.